clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. And it is caught. Caught. Caught for a touchdown. A leaping touchdown catch. Here he goes. He'll be chased and he is caught. 97 yards. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. Says a prayer. Welcome into Simultaneous Catch, folks. I am Adam Jeffrey Rossi. I'm Josh Lyman. We're lounging today. I'm on a nice chair and Josh is on the couch. If anybody is like an audio expert, could you just kind of like reach out to me and help us out? Because we're trying to get two mics on one Mac and either Mac doesn't like it or computer doesn't like it. I don't understand it. I mean... I don't think that's somebody else's responsibility. I'm not saying it's a responsibility, but if we have nice viewers, or viewers, <laughs> listeners, maybe they'll help us. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Welcome to the show, guys. Four weeks of the NFL in the books, which would normally be one quarter of the way through the season, but it's not. We'll be a quarter in uh, about four games. Yeah, it's exciting. Heading into week five, guys, lots of parody in the NFL, as there always is. One of the closest seasons of the NFL so far. I have a, a stat here that it was an NFL record. Every single 1 p.m. and 4 p.m. game was within one score at some point in the fourth quarter. That's tied with 13 games of that kind in for the most in one week in NFL history. That's pretty neat. Yeah, and I, I mean, I said at the in our one of our preview episodes that I thought it would be the closest season of all time. Now I know that I am always like, wow, it feels like the games are closer than they've ever been, but they legitimately have been this year, so that's super fun. So let's just get right into it. I didn't hear your friend's fortune from last week, so what was it? Uh, it did not come true. I said the Broncos are going to score 35 points this week. They did score a lot more points than they did uh, in previous weeks, that's for sure. And Russell showed some signs of, uh, what's the word? I want to say rejuvenation, but it's not like he... <laughs> I don't know. He just he looks so deteriorated to start of the year, but yeah, um, Russ did show some signs of life. That offense showed a little bit, and then of course the bad news of Javante Williams, which we will get into in our news and notes section. Let's get right into rant, rave, recall. I'm gonna rave. Ooh, I'm gonna rave about the Dallas Cowboys quarterback Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush, I'm sure you've seen this, is now four and zero in his first four starts as an NFL quarterback. That is. Number one in NFL history, no quarterback has ever won their first four starts, ever. And so Cooper Rush does it, 
completing just over 60% of his passes, 737 yards, four passing touchdowns, zero interceptions, which, of course, is the big, most important number, I think, for this team. And this team is now 3-1 and one after they lost their first game, and it was all doom and gloom. Dak's done for the season. Dak's done for the majority of the season. It's all over. Cooper Rush ste stepped in, has now won, has won, uh, sorry, three games. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> has won three games, is now 4-0 as a starter. He won his only start last season against the Vikings. And now they're 3-1 and just behind the Eagles for the division lead. It's crazy, and it's awesome. And I, our, our Dallas correspondent, Mike, did uh, text me after last week's episode when I asked if it was crazy to ask the question Cooper over Dak and he said it is crazy but it's nice to know and I said I agreed right I we agreed on the episode that obviously you, you go back to Dak once Dak's healthy because he's in the upper echelon of quarterbacks we believe but it's this is what you want in the backup quarterback you want a guy that can step in and ideally they say go 500 but he's gone above and beyond he's won three straight games for the Dallas Cowboys they have a very fascinating matchup against the LA Rams coming up next week and uh we we said Dak said he's targeting this game right they said it's a possibility I haven't seen any other updates about that today Jerry Jones said he's not ready okay which is fine I mean we just say it I'm giving a rave to Cooper Rush and that this defense is great. They've got playmakers on both sides of the football, and Cooper Rush has been the steady hand, uh, leading them to a three and one start. And it's awesome. I'm just, I'm really happy for the kid. I say the kid, although I guess like we could say that now that we're almost 30 years old, we could start saying kids and make it more sense. He's, is he 25, 26? He's about two weeks younger than us. Oh, is he really? <laughs> he's a good kid. Regardless, I'm raving about Cooper Rush. Yes, that is. Okay. Is November, middle of November? Yes. All right. Oh, wait, no, that makes him older than us. Yes, that yes. does make him older than us. <laughs> Had the, my math there. Raving about the kids still. <laughs> yeah, it's obviously very good, but it's uh, not to take away from your your rave. I mean, it's it's very warranted. It's not easy to come in in the NFL as a backup and, and, and win it's not easy to win as a starting quarterback in the NFL, but I really think it's more of a testament to Dallas more than anything, right? I mean, yeah, all sure and good that you say in the three games he's thrown four touchdowns and no picks, and like you said, that really is the ultimate qualifier, but it's not like Cooper Rush, and that's why we say it's silly to think about him replacing Dak because he's not lighting anything up. He's doing what he needs to do to win, which is what you want, like you said. But I think it's a testament to, to Dallas of, of their defense. I mean, what they have, the most points they allowed during that stretch was the 17 to the Bengals. So it's not like they're asking Cooper Rush to go out and put up 30 points and keep them in these close shooting games where if we were to see if for whatever reason, let's pretend that Dak didn't play all season, I wouldn't say that this is a really contending team because they haven't been playing upper echelon teams. So, we, I mean, the Giants are 3-1, and one, say what you will, but I don't really consider them a world beater. So, but I Sure, mean, but I... I, I mean, yeah, so my, right. I will... That seemed negative, but it's more a testament to the team itself, in my opinion, uh, especially the defense, where Dan Quinn, I think, is, is having them fire. It's just so, so funny. funny. It's so funny that a couple years ago we were all over Dan Quinn for 
And we did both say. I, we, I always know Dan Quinn is a defense. I know, player. I know. We did say that, but so many were all over him. And even on ESPN Get Up, the show that I love to watch, Greeny was like, "We're all expecting Dan Quinn to come here and be the difference maker." And Dan Quinn's been a difference maker with these playmakers and Micah Parsons and Trevon Diggs and. Leighton Vander Esch is playing good football. Demarcus Lawrence there, right? They've got all these like name brand players right now playing very well for them. So yeah, I I think the again the rave is is less about Cooper Rush lighting it up and more about there are other quarterbacks that are that are asked to sort of just like right the ship or stay the course that haven't been able to, and he has, which is really cool. So you're right. Like I don't think they're a contender with Cooper Rush, but. Dak might be coming back very soon, and I may have to eat my words about Dallas not being as good as I thought that they would be because if Dak comes back and is the Dak that we all – I want to say that we all see him as because I do see Dak as an you know upper echelon quarterback. There's for funsies, I want to ask what that means. What do you mean? So you're saying upper echelon is that yeah. top ten? Upper so upper echelon to you? If I had to in half and say the upper half is so he's definitely oh, he is without a question in the top half, right? Upper echelon to me is like top twelve. Top twelve. Now whether he's twelve or <laughs> six or seven is debatable, I think. Okay. But I think I'd be hard pressed to name twelve other quarterbacks better than Dak Prescott. Okay. We can go through the exercise if you want. That might be fun. Well, off the top of my head, I don't know. So. I mean, I, I guess if we're sitting here saying uh, Mahomes, Allen, Rodgers. Um, I don't even know if you put him in there right now. Rodgers? Not at the moment. <laughs> Maybe that's a fun exercise to do for another time. Because I think, cause I, I think that we haven't, done, we haven't done rankings in a while. I think one of these, maybe not during the season. Maybe right after the season we do rankings again because I like those episodes. But regardless, raving about Cooper Rush. And I do think that when Dak comes back, if Dak is the player that – I think that he is, and that a lot of people think that anywhere he is. And certainly, six to twelve, yeah, anywhere from six to twelve. Um, <laughs> that certainly Dallas, Dallas thinks that he is because they paid him, right? Uh, then I think that they are a contending team in the NFC, which is a weak t- conference right now. All right, so I'm going to flip the script a little bit um, before I go on to my recall. So last week you posed the question: Is it crazy to think about? them sticking with Cooper Rush regardless. And I think we said yes. Now, let's say that Dak comes back and loses three straight. Do you start to be like, oh, should we put Cooper Rush back in? I think nuance matters in that scenario. Like, how are they losing these games? How is he playing, right? But if you're in this scenario, I'm assuming you're saying Dak is playing poorly and they're losing because Dak's not getting it done. I mean, let's – so I'm thinking – the only sample size of this year, which is not totally fair, right? I mean, I think we think Tampa's a pretty good defense, although Patrick looked completely fine against them. What if they're just not moving the ball at all, which for the most part, I they're not scoring points. They have stalled at times, but they have moved the ball pretty well under Cooper Rush. So to, to me, I think is a very easy cut and dry answer. If they lose three straight when Dak comes back and they're struggling to move the football – I think you have to put Cooper oh Rush back gosh. in there. I don't I'm not think dis- I'm not being like, like done, I, I think this but is that would like the world would blow up. So an example that I'm going to say right now that's going to seem really stupid when I say this was not stupid at this point in time when Seattle paid Matt Flynn all this money and then Russell Wilson came in and Russell was just clearly playing better and doing better for the team. 
they went with Russell instead of the highly paid quarterback. No, I, I know. Say, I know it's a different thing, but in that moment in time, it was not right. I mean, in that moment, had shown what. Sure, I know. I know it's not a perfect. Um, one-for-one one comparison. But legitimately, it's similar where you have the high-paid guy who you believe is the guy. If he is not performing, I don't care who the other quarterback is, you have to put him in. Now, this could all be a moot point, right? This is a thought exercise. But I, I don't think I don't think that's going to happen. But that stands the reason. If it were to happen, yes, absolutely. I feel like you have to make a switch because there are a lot of good players on this team right now. And they should be in contention with the rest of their roster the way that it is. And if Dak comes back and he doesn't make them even better or at the very least continue the course on which they are. I will say I will, you have to do something. I will just poke the bear. Jerry Jones is saying that Dak can't grip the football in the necessary way to efficiently move the football right now. So we're, he's getting close. Which this is And this is what I brought up when we talked about and I said this is insane when they were like, he could be back as early as you oh, know, yeah, whatever. Because always agreed. Dan Orlovsky said this on Get Up as well. He said, or I think it might have been NFL Live. It was ESPN. He said that he had a similar injury and that he came back earlier than he should have because he thought he felt okay and that he had thrown the ball in practice and he was ready to go. But when he was in the game scenario, he could not grip the ball to rip it in the way that you need to in an NFL game. So... I, I do think this is going to last a couple more weeks, and I think that's okay given the way that Cooper Rush has played. I will say I think it'll be interesting because this might be fairly bold. I think the scenario I just talked about is plausible of Dak coming back. Now, is that because of their schedule that you just looked at? Yes, or is it, it is based on their schedule because – so we – I'm I'm chalking up that they're not playing. He's not playing against the Rams, but then if he comes back against Philly, they have a ferocious defensive front. The Lions, he could do okay there. Chicago, their offense is awful, but their defense has been pretty good. They could light that up. Green Bay, eh, they're better rushing the passer and on the back end than they are stopping the run, but they can do those two things pretty well. And Minnesota, I think, is fairly similar. Where yeah, like I those, actually, you're right. I think all those are tough put teams. Pressure on the yeah. quarterbacks, and I don't right. think that I, anybody plays dirty in the NFL. But if you right, think no. players aren't going to sweat sure. at that yeah, end. No, and that's very true. I mean, I, I, yeah, you make a great point. I think that I am. I was not super. I should. This is going to sound mean. I was not super intrigued by Dallas all off season, and for the beginning of the year, I was like, they're fine. They're going to be fine. They're not going to be great, but they're not going to be terrible. And now I am so locked into the Cowboys. I want to see how they do, continuing with Cooper Rush, but I also want to see what happens when Dak comes back. So they've, they've found, America's team has found a way to capture our attentions once more, and I'm in. <laughs> I, I, I want to see it. I want to see it, dude. There we go. Well, I won't uh, talk very long about my recall. Um, so this is not a recall of knocking off a team. This is actually a recall of not giving them enough hype because when we talked about AFC winners, losers, et cetera, et cetera, people we thought were contending, I did not talk at all about the Jaguars. And right now they're sitting at two and two. Uh, but they're, they're looking pretty – They're looking. Their two losses are also nothing to – to you know, sure. I mean, they were right in it. They were right. They could be four and zero. That you can't say that for and a lot of two and two teams. To, to nothing lead against against Philadelphia. So of course, coming 
getting that 14-point lead and then giving up 29 points is not obviously great. But I will say um, they are sixth in the league in scoring. They're fourth in scoring defense. They have a lot of young pieces, especially in defense, that are contributing really, really well right off the bat. Their first-round picks are doing really well. Doug Peterson has completely flipped the script of the Urban Meyer experience. I think I underrated how good of a coach Doug Peterson is. And I always liked Doug Peterson in Philly, but I de- – like, and I know – listen, I've talked about how horrible Urban Meyer is, right? And I rant, I think I ranted about him four times last year on the show. But I think I underestimated just how good Doug Peterson is. Is it just the variance between how bad Urban is and just how – you know, competent Doug is, or is Doug really that good? I don't know, but I think I underestimated him a little bit. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I I love Doug Peterson. Um, obviously, things are going pretty fine in Philadelphia right now with Nick Sirianni, but I didn't love that firing choice. I actually feel like that was probably more of a just directional firing more than a like we're not getting stuff done. Firing. Sure, I think it was. I think it was what was about to happen to Harbaugh before Harbaugh. Linked on to Lamar and was and then extended. Oh, sure, Remember sure. We I talked know. about how he was ready to like they were ready to part ways. I think it was similar to that, and Doug just didn't have a guy he wanted to go with next, right? So they moved on. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I, the Jags, I'm glad you're pointing out the Jacks in the in a very weak division right now. They are shining just as much as any team in that division right now. Absolutely, I agree. And I'm, I I forget who they play next week. Who do they play next week? The Jags. Or do they have one of the first early bye weeks? I think the Jags. We, the bye weeks start next week. Bye weeks start next week. So, okay. Uh, the Jags. I don't know. I'm looking. That's okay. The Jacksonville Jaguars play. Oh. <laughs> We have, a, we have a, a divisional showdown against the Texans. Ooh, okay, nice. So we'll see how they fare against the 0-3-1 Texans, who are 0-3-1 but are scrappy, man. They're in a lot of games, and they did not give up when Austin Eckler decided to go nuts on them, and they were in that game near the end for sure. All right, let's get to some news and notes. Let's get our injury updates. Javante Williams did tear his ACL and his LCL, which I looked at on the ticker during Monday Night Football and was like, I have no idea what an LCL is. I don't know if you, you looked look that up. It. Did you look it up? I wondered if no, you – No, I wasn't the one that said I didn't know. I didn't look it up. Oh, why would you say that then? Regardless, Javante Williams did tear multiple CLs and is now out for the season. I'm just devastated by this, man. Javante Williams, my favorite running back from last year's draft, one of my favorite – players in the NFL right now. It's just so much fun to watch. He's so good. And I only really technically have him on one fantasy team. So it really is not That's like shocking. I well so I obviously wanted him, but in redrafts he was going at the top of the second round and I liked him more near the end or the beginning of the third. But regardless, we're not here to talk about that. This is big news for Denver and now Melvin Gordon who's been fumble ruski to start the year, five fumbles, is this is going to be an issue. This is going to be something to follow. Do they go out and look for running back help, or are they okay with Melvin Gordon and Mike Boone? And I don't know who if they have a third back, but dude, I saw rumors about maybe they offer for Kareem Hunt in Cleveland. Uh, that might be interesting. Or do I mean, I, they probably just ride it out with Melvin Gordon and Mike Boone. But what is your take on this? Yeah, I don't imagine that they will make any kind of trade. I will say because of the the changes in practice squad uh, arrangements, there are still a lot of good players that are 
practice squad players that can Todd Gurley coming back. I don't think he's on a practice squad, but <laughs> uh I think of a player like Marlon Mack. Uh he is often on the practice squad of 49ers and they elevate him. So like that's a player and I'm not even saying that that's a world beater player. Like you're not going to get a Dalvin Cook on one of these things, more likely than not, right? You're not gonna get but Javante Williams on one of these things. I just wanted to let everyone know that the LCL is the lateral collateral ligament. Wow, I totally know what that is now. It's a band of tissue that runs along the outer side of your knee. So, So, lateral, collateral... Ligament. Ligament. What is A? An ACL? Let's find out. Well, you keep talking about... The Achilles collateral ligament? Is that what that is? If, if, If I had to guess, I would guess Achilles collateral ligament our whole podcast should just be us trying to guess medical terms probably not i think that would be super enjoyable for a lot of people uh the acl is is actually it doesn't say what the a the achilles collateral ligament that's what it is it's the band of tissue that connects your thigh bone to your shin bone. Your thigh bone. Oh, so it's higher up than I thought it was. I thought it was lower. Oh, well. Anyway, talk about that another time. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Uh, it's just sad to see. thought it was mentionable for sure. So let's uh, pivot. Just so you know I found it. it oh, is, what is it? I don't know how to say this word, so it'll be pretty funny. Spell it. It is A-N-T-E-R-I-O-R. Anter-or? C-R-U-C-I-A-T-E. Anterotricotry. Yep, that's probably it. Collateral ligament. Now we all know. <laughs> Achilles. Dr. Oz, everybody. Regardless, uh, let's move on from Javante Williams, and let's have a very serious conversation about Tua Tungavailoa. We, I don't think, on last week's podcast, we both talked about how people are, we're freaking out about how this is obviously a concussion, and we both defended the Miami Dolphins, and we said we don't believe that they would have put him back out there had he not passed concussion protocols. The doctor has since been fired that they have said did skip some things and, you know, egg on our face. We gave somebody the benefit of the doubt and they let us down. We didn't believe that that would happen, that they would skip things or miss things. They did. Uh, I do feel a little bit bad about that, about what I had said on the podcast last week. Obviously, I don't think that it's we're, you know, terrible people for thinking that. Right. But I am surprised that this happened. And then, obviously, in Thursday Night Football last week, he did go down with a pretty bad head injury, was carted off to the hospital. Um, they He had the – I forget what the, the the verbiage is when your hands freeze up like that. Uh, Fencer's position? Yes, the way that it did. First of all, CBS completely became the SNL skit when they're like, oh, this is a terrible injury. Let's show you it a hundred times. It was – It was prime video. It was, oh, yeah, that's right, Prime Video, over and over again. We apologize, CBS. It was crazy. Uh, But regardless, he is out week five. He's in concussion protocol. And, uh, yeah, Miami fan perspective. Yeah, I don't think that maybe this is going to double down on being awful. I don't think we have anything to apologize for. I mean, I think we came out and said that it is possible that he hit his head which he did, but that doesn't always translate to a concussion. We took everybody's word for what it was, um, which I think is still a possibility. I mean, I don't think he's lying about having a back injury. I think that is also was a thing. And then so he everything that I'm reading and, you know, uh, 
Mike McDaniel came out and was forthright, and he said that he welcomes the investigation. That's why those situations are put into place to make sure things are handled and uh, executed correctly. I don't think that there is still like this mass conspiracy that people were lying and being like Tua didn't really say he had a concussion or I mean I think he hand he went through those tests and they were done incorrectly or he was passed incorrectly uh, but I mean he went through it and he passed and he was told that he was okay and so I mean like it, it gets really difficult and dicey because a lot of people are saying that you should as a head coaching prospect that you should have the common sense just not to put your guy back out there uh i actually appreciated what jimmy johnson came out and and said that as the head coach when that happens you don't talk to the player you trust the staff the medical people and when they come and say he's okay because the player is gonna say coach i'm fine put me back in the game and and that was i mean after i mean that after the buffalo game Tua came on and he said he's like i i wanted to be out there i'm fine like i wanted to play with my guys and so obviously he's gonna he's gonna say that so then there's also the flip side of people saying that you need to just have your common sense but i think and be like rex ryan which i kind of despise he's like if that was your son would you put him out there i was like okay I mean, there's there's a there's other fifty four other people that you're also taking care of, and, and I would and I, I this is something that I did want to say about this is, and this is a I want to toe the line of this because it's obviously not a bad thing to want to defend the defenseless, right? Obviously, Tua is injured; he's the victim here, and he needs we need to make sure that he's okay and gets healthy, right? We we'd understand that. But what I don't love in a lot of situations, especially this one, is the vehemence which with people, especially on social media and on shows like you just said Rex Ryan on Get Up, attack one side, right? Now, I don't – I think very rarely in life is there a clear-cut black and white right or wrong. I think everything is super nuanced and I know that in our social media age, we don't allow for nuance very often. But – I, I hate when people – there are people online who are saying the Dolphins' entire staff and organization are all going to go to hell now. And I'm like, can we all just chill? It is entirely possible, like you said, that one guy messed up and cleared him and they put him back in and then the next week something happened and it all blew up and it made it worse, right? That is entirely plausible. I don't know. Like you just said you don't believe in the conspiracy. It, it – I'm not saying that it couldn't happen because if we're being totally honest and transparent, the NFL did cover up concussions in their severity for a long time, right? They knew about CTE for a long time and hid that information. That has happened before, right? So maybe it is silly for me to continue to give benefit of the doubt to people, right? I just want to believe in people that being good, right, rather than bad and nefarious. I just don't like when people are so vicious um, in defense of other people, I don't think that that helps. That's just a personal opinion. Well, I don't. But <laughs> I think they're sure. I think absolutely that is the flip side of the card. But I also really appreciated what Tony Dungy said on on Sunday Night Football, and that it's a it's still after all of the progress that has been made since the those those days that you're just referring to. It's still a flawed system because 
according to everything that's come out, and it's still happening, Tua is today, Tuesday, October 4th, he's going through uh, an interview process with those powers that be, whoever, about about this situation and whatnot. But Tua also cleared a test of some nature before Thursday, before the game. So Tony came out and said it's still a flawed system because when these things happen, if they can pass these tests, they're cleared, they're given the go, where maybe when we see that kind of evidence or that kind of situation that they just need, there are no tests. Maybe they're right. taken out. And I just I just think that too many people, and I mean, I guess we're part of this, right, are no, I don't. I would no. We're not part of this. Too many people out there are masquerading as exp- experts, pretending and thinking. Right, the whole armchair expert thing. They're like saying, "I saw that, and that's clearly a concussion. There's no other way that you could see that otherwise." And I just feel like that's, I have no idea. Right. No, we none of us have any idea. So regardless, I don't want to spend too much time on this. I'm sorry that we already have. No, no, no. I mean, but I, I just, I, 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 I will say this is not. It is frustrating, and it's not a positive, right? It's not a positive that somebody was injured. In, in that fashion. But I will say this... Uh, uh, it often takes drastic instances for change to occur, right? And maybe for uh, a young man who is playing very well to be down on the field. And I do you do we consider prime television, prime time? I don't know. But yes, I think that was prime. I do think that was prime laying time. Laying down yeah. for ten minutes, not really moving. I mean, like he was, but like you're, you're worried in that situation. If change will be will come because of that, the that rule there there were rules that were already adjusted and so, changed. So there were regardless, uh, it's something that we'll follow and continue to follow because the Dolphins are a contender, right? The Dolphins are a legitimate football team, and we'll see the effect that it has on this offense, especially with Teddy Bridgewater coming in. Uh, they obviously were not as good with him on Thursday night. To or Teddy had a couple of drives, right? A couple of nice throws. He did throw the interception at the end. It was. It seemed that it was a miscommunication more than it was a bad throw or a bad decision. Or, But we'll see what happens. I, I There was a quote from Tyreek Hill. He was talking to Marcel Louis-Jacques, one of the beat writers. He used to be a beat writer for the Buffalo Bills. And he, uh, Jacques asked him, he said, uh, how do you expect your production to continue with Teddy versus Tua? And he said, man, I put up numbers with you as my quarterback. So we'll see what happens as the, the Dolphins have a divisional matchup against the the new upstart Jets this week. Uh, that'll be a fun game to watch. So uh, let's move on. Uh, I had OBJ return on here. I think we should skip that. We'll follow that as we go. It did say that he did. It did say that he did visit with the Giants, which I think would be fun. I don't think that means anything. I don't think it really means anything. Obviously, the Rams, Green Bay, and Casey are all possibilities as well. Um, I wanted to point out an additional as we head into our week two. Or I said week two reactions. I didn't update that. Our week four reactions um, before we set up for week five. Uh, the AFC West is now a palindrome rankings. Thought that was kind of fun. Three and one, two and two, two and two, one and three, and the entire NFC West is all two and two. Just a fun. How about that? Fun numbers. Let's get into our week reactions. Let's start. 
with my team, the Bills at the Ravens. This game started 20-3 to in the Ravens' favor, and then it was 20-0 to in the second half. Uh, Buffalo has now only allowed seven points in the second half in the entire season, and it was the seven points to the Miami Dolphins, and that was the seven points that did them in at the end of the game. Um, I think that, just starting with my thoughts about this game, I think that the most encouraging thing is the defensive stat that I just said because it shows that the Bills are almost okay. The Bills almost encourage you in the first half to score and to put up yards. They're like, okay, show us what you're going to do, and then the second half we're going to change it all up and stop you completely in the second half. Now, there's a lot more nuance to all those games for sure, but only giving up seven points in the second half for four straight games is a pretty crazy stat and pretty encouraging going forward. And I was nervous after we lost Micah Hyde and Jordan Poor was out and all this stuff. Jordan Poor came back and had a hell of a game, right? And Matt Milano, Trade Edmonds, I think were amazing in this game. And yeah, I just I'm very encouraged by that aspect of it. There's certainly a lot that we need to correct and get better at, right? I don't think we're clicking on all cylinders yet. You don't want to be heading into week five. But I was very encouraged by those adjustments that have consistently happened for four straight weeks. Sure, yeah. I mean, are you, is that leading to my rebuttal? My yeah, I was just – those are my initial thoughts yeah, on the no, game. no, I mean, it is. I mean, well, personally, I think the spells d- doom for the Buffalo Bills, personally. Uh, I picked Buffalo. I thought that Buffalo was going to win. I actually thought – it wouldn't have been in the manner that it was at all. Um, so great, absolutely great for week four, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, and I know I've voiced this to other people and they're like, this is unreliable or like that's silly. But I ver- this is, in my opinion, the AFC championship game. And I think when this happens, very rarely does the team that won in the regular season win again. And I won't, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's silly. I'm not. Uh, it has happened a handful of times, so I can't deny that fact. The reason I say it spells doom is because of the fashion of the game where Baltimore had it and lost it in such a dramatic fashion. So now they're going to have even a larger chip on their shoulder. Well, and I will say in recent years, it's definitely proven to be a fact, right? Because it happened to Buffalo twice last year, both ways. Last year, we lost. Oh, we did beat the Pats once, but we did lose in that crazy wind game against the Pats, right? And the playoffs crushed them. And we took care of Kansas City in the regular season and lost to Kansas City in the last 13 seconds. So it's not a silly thing, I don't think. Um, I do think that... Uh, our friend Ian did say that's not always reliable. I don't think it's a hundred percent. Nothing ever is, right? But there is definitely validity to the theory that the team that wins in the regular season when they remeet in the playoffs tends to go the opposite way. So there's there's, there's a validity. The reason I believe this, and there there's no fact to it in my opinion, because it isn't a fact driven theory it's an emotion driven theory where any team that makes it to the playoff i don't want there's a little bit of an asterisk there but any Most team that teams. makes it to the playoffs <laughs> is a good team right right yeah so you're not gonna be like oh buffalo can just absolutely outscore baltimore 
like Baltimore will put up a fight. But now they're going to have an emotional aspect. And obviously the game is an emotional game, right? Most sports are. But now they're going to have an extra chip, emotion, whatever, of the embarrassment that was suffered in week four. And they'll think about that. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. I'm not going to lie. I think um, – yeah, yeah, no, no I'm concerned. concerned. I, what I want to get your thoughts on, unless you have other thoughts about the game, is the end of the game, the fourth down call to go for it on your goal line, fourth down, tie football game instead of the kick of the field goal. This has been widely debated in the last couple of days after the games on Sunday. A lot of people are defending it. A lot of people are hating on it. This comes down to our favorite debate on the show, <laughs> analytics versus uh, non error to more quote unquote traditional coaching decisions. And uh, Harbaugh had some interesting thoughts on it. Many people have had interesting thoughts on it. Yeah, I like so I don't, I don't know what Harbaugh, I know he gave a lengthy answer as to his reasoning behind. I haven't read that. I haven't watched that clip. I've seen it on in the background. Um, so I don't know his explanation behind it. I personally think – so here it's a double-sided coin for me. I think it was the wrong decision, but I understand why he made the decision that he did. I absolutely – in that situation, I don't remember the exact clock at, at that moment, but it was near the end of the fourth quarter. It wasn't like there was like 10 minutes to go and Buffalo drove the I entire I think there clock. was four minutes Yeah, left. so with four minutes, I would take the points to have the lead – with that much time. Now I understand the thinking that you just said the first half, they had three points. The second half, they scored 20. So you're not thinking like, Oh, we've been locking him down. Like we got this, but I would rather always. And that's just my, I would always rather have some sort of lead because at worst you're giving it up the other way where, so if you kick the field goal, then you think, oh, they can either tie it up or they score a touchdown and win. But if you don't get it, then all you need is the field goal to win. I just don't – I mostly always – but you know I always disagree with you. Right, and I will say this. I think this one – the nuance to this one is twofold at the at the least. One being that Devin Duvernay was wide open and Lamar didn't see him until too late. That's the first thing. I don't know if you've watched the play. I haven't watched the play. If you I, I watch... want to continue hearing your thoughts, but I will sure. say this because this happened a few times last right. year with two point conversions. And yeah, it's happened. Sometimes I think that Baltimore gets a little too cute during those plays. Yes, I absolutely think they should have done some sort of run with Lamar and Dobbins, who was crushing it all game. He looked awesome. But I will say, if you watch the all-22 footage, Duvernay is wide open within the first couple seconds of the play. And if Lamar goes there immediately, it's a touchdown, and who knows how the game ends. That's the first thing. The second thing is, then he forces it. And we had talked about this in another game that came down to the wire where Cleveland goes for it on fourth down, and Brissett throws the interception or throws it away instead of forcing it, right? Because it was the end of the half at that scenario, and that the scenario there is – the worst that can happen is an interception. It's the end of the half, right? It doesn't matter. So different. So he threw it away. Different circumstances. But what I'm saying is that in this scenario, you if you don't have the touchdown, you cannot have a turnover because the reason why you decide to go for it so close on fourth down is the worst thing that should be able to happen is Buffalo now has to go 95 plus yards to score, right? So that is the thinking, and that's why I think it's the right choice. But Lamar, 
because he throws it up late across the field, not across the field, but late, high in the corner of the end zone with one of the best safeties in the NFL, Jordan Poyer, who had already made a big play interception earlier in the game. Because that happens, that completely ruins the decision in my mind. Now, the other fold that I'm pointing out here is that we too many people think this is the Ravens' defense of old. This Ravens' defense is not nearly as good as it used to be, right? They have playmakers, and they are definitely high on the turnover count, That's and that's hiding a lot of their deficiencies, I think. But 20 to nothing in the second half, I totally understand. We haven't scored here, and we haven't been able to stop them. We haven't been able to stop Josh Allen, right? We have to score here because there's no because we're not going to if we um, give them the ball back. We're not going to get the ball back. I understand that thought process, which is why I would go for it. But again, I think that this is – I think the end of this game was more akin to the Titanic rather than a, a different – failure right whereas the titanic wasn't just it hit an iceberg oh well right there's 25 different little things that all had to go wrong for it to be so catastrophic 25 different things had to go wrong for the ravens at the end of this game for it to be so catastrophic sure okay anyway let's move on let's go to we just mentioned the browns the falcons this game opened up 10 nothing atlanta and then cleveland went down marched and scored a touchdown after that, the game was never was never more than four points either way apart. It was just back and forth the whole contest, close through the whole way. And the one thing I want to point out here, because we both did pick Atlanta to win this game. I believe you picked Atlanta in Pal's picks, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we both picked Atlanta to win this game. We both like Atlanta right now. The one thing I thought was so interesting looking at this as a whole is Marcus Mariota, 7-19, 139 yards and a pick. That was not a good day. Like, they were able to win this game by playing defense and, like, in the red zone, right, stopping them in the money zone so they didn't score touchdowns and running the football. They ran over, I think, 200, 250 rushing yards total. Tyler Algier had 10 carries, 84 rushing yards, and a 20-yard catch. So he went over 100 total yards. And then Caleb Huntley, the other young running back, 10 carries, 56 yards and rushing touchdown. Cordero Patterson did have a rushing touchdown before he was injured and now since been put on IR. But... Yeah, they played smash mouth football and it was varied, right? It reminded me of the, you know, Greg Roman rushing attack with Teron Taylor and LaShawn McCoy and now with Lamar Jackson and whatever running back he has, right? It was varied. It was different. It was from the gun. It was from the pistol. It was from under center. It was from all over the field. There were some direct snaps, right? It was so uh, different in all of their approaches. And, I would be afraid to play this Atlanta team. This offense is very interesting. It's hard to defend. And they were able to win and beat a team that we think is a good football team with Mario having a pretty piss-poor stat line. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't have a whole lot to add. I mean, I thought Atlanta was going to win. I thought the run game of Cleveland was going to be A-OK, and it was. But I said pretty much verbatim, I think they would have just enough playmakers to stop it when they need to, and they did. And, and that's what happened. We'll follow Cleveland, obviously, closely heading forward. Uh, I will say Football Power Index, FPI, had them as the easiest first four games of the schedule, and now it has them as the hardest remaining schedule in the NFL. Yes. So we will certainly follow them heading forward. A couple more games to cover. 
Scorigami was found in Detroit when the Lions were downed by the Seattle Seahawks. Couple fun stats from this one. Jared Goff. Nobody knows what that means. What? Just Scorigami? Oh, sorry. Yikes. <laughs> uh, scorigami, guys, is really fun. Scorigami is when there is an, a score, and in the NFL, that has never happened before. It's a unique score. So 48 to 45, the only time that has been a final score in the NFL was this Sunday. I find that so shocking. It's amazing. So here's a couple of really amazing stats for you. Jared Goff has now been the quarterback in three of the top 20 scoring games in NFL history. He's been in three of them. People That's say pretty, it's trash. Well, yeah, I don't know, man. Um, another fun stat, the Lions and their opponents have combined for 281 total points. That's the most ever in NFL history to start a season through the first four games. Detroit is now averaging 35 points per game. Their opponents are averaging 35.3 points per game. Uh, they're fun television. You cannot uh, say otherwise. And Geno Smith playing some of the best football of his career. He's completing 77% of his passes, and he's crushing it, man. I mean, Geno Smith is amazing right now uh, to start the NFL season. Yeah, I I thought this was going to be a really fun game. I didn't think it was going to be as fun as it was, uh, but I consistently I was like, why don't you put this on the TV, Adam? What's going on with this game, Adam? Why are you ignoring this game, Adam? Uh, all day, pretty much until the end, <laughs> I was asking about it. I'm sorry. That's my bad. I'm a terrible uh, But I, I thought I, I gave it to you kind of as a trap game because I did think the Seahawks were going to win because of the injuries to the Lions. But I think more than anything, it's really – I mean, it also has to do with I don't think the Seahawks' defense is a world beater, but they had some lesser-known players step up. And I'm not even saying lesser-known, like, they're nobodies, like – Jamal Williams is a pretty darn good running back, but you know he he carried that team very very well. Josh Reynolds has been around for a while, has never been like, oh, they, this is a bona fide number one. He made a but truly great catch for a touchdown. In really, that game. he did play very very well. Um, so if anything, you know you got some good depth there in Detroit, and I think that's helpful moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I. You know, Detroit is a very interesting team. They have a fascinating matchup that I think is, I believe, is featured in Pal's picks coming up here against the Patriots this weekend. So I, I think it'll be a fun. Speaking of the Patriots, let's go to Patriots at Packers because I want your take on this game. The first rookie quarterback threw a touchdown this weekend, and it was, like we all guessed, Bailey Zappi for the New England Patriots. I want the Packer take on this game. What were your thoughts coming out of this football game? Yeah, I mean, it was just tale of tape in a way. I mean, that's not that's not a groundbreaking thing to say, but the offense was extremely bad in the first half. The second half, they were able to operate at a higher level and they got back back into it. But if there is a game or a team, in my opinion, that doesn't have to worry, that's not the right word, but force the quarterback to do a lot it's the Patriots because they have a stable of good running backs they showed last year that they could win with a quarterback throwing three passes Zappi completed a lot more than that uh so yeah I mean and you're still talking about Bill Belichick and I think there's a bit of a smudge and a stain that's been on his name the last few years because it's but I mean he's still a very smart head coach especially on the defensive side 
So, I mean, and when Aaron Rodgers has a second career pick six at Lambeau, that's it's going to hurt. So Also through his 500th touchdown. So, cool. you know, on the flip side, you know, 500th career touchdown. I think in 18 years, your second career pick six at home, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's probably more the more fascinating stat for sure. Uh, <laughs> regardless, that was a fun game, and I'm glad it came out okay at the end because I was a little nervous there. I know that you don't take losses in the regular season like a lot of people do, but I I really didn't want to see that happen for, for you. <laughs> Uh, regardless, let's get let's let's mold our Thursday night preview in with the with Pal's picks because I believe they're one of the first games on the docket. So let's just say that instead of a Thursday night preview, it's time for Pal's picks. Oh yeah, yes. So the I believe you you give the rundown for Pal's picks. Yeah. So in Pal's picks, we are back to knotted up, which feels good i guess i went two and one last week and you went one and two so we're both sitting at five and seven so we're, we're so good man good we're, we're so tied, good it's pretty ugly uh yeah so i did get to give you the picks first this week so the first game i'm giving you is those indianapolis colts heading to take on those Denver broncos yes uh we're now teetering upon the recall of my division winner the indianapolis colts we are we are pretty close there myself oh just, we are so close i decided close. to talk about the jags yes. instead we are so close the colts offense right now is 32nd in yard or in points and 19th in yards it's bad it's not good at all. Um, their defense, however, is 13th in points allowed and, or, and 6th in yards. So their defense has been pretty darn good. And they're just getting Shaq Leonard back last week, right? So he's still working his way back in. Who got uh, knocked out. Uh, yeah. And obviously Jonathan Taylor as well is a big loss. So this is, this is, this is tough. But Matt Ryan. He is hoping three, to play. Matt Ryan threw 356 yards and two touchdowns in this game. Um so if you're going to lay this loss at the feet of somebody, I don't think it should be Matt Ryan. And then the Broncos offense, 30th in points for 21st in yards. So even worse total offense. And then their defense, though, even better. Fifth in points for fourth in yardage. So this is going to be a very interesting game of two struggling offenses versus two pretty stout defenses. I expect this to be an ugly game. I expect there to be turnovers. I expect it to be kind of annoying. To watch. <laughs> um, but I'm going to pick the Colts. Oh. I'm picking the Colts because I refuse to give up on my pick because I'm stubborn and I'm loyal until it kills me. So let's go, Matty Ice. All right. There we have it. Matty Ice. Remember, God, five years ago when the matchup between Matt Ryan and Russell Wilson was so exciting. You know, I'll be excited for this game, and it'll be fine, and it's probably going to be a good thing that you're not going to be here for it because it's probably just going to make me mad. I will ask you the question, and I know we haven't been watching the Colts religiously, so this is kind of still focusing. So I'm glad we went to Pals Picks, but focusing on the Thursday Night Preview for a moment, why do you think the integration of Matt Ryan has been so slow to this point. Actually, I'm so happy you brought this up because I forgot that I had saved something about this to, to talk about during the Thursday night preview because I think we're overlooking a very important aspect of this particular Colts team with Matt Ryan. So Naeem Hines, the backup running back for the Colts and often a slot receiver as well, uh, had this quote. He said, quote, 
It's not an excuse, but every year we have a new quarterback. So each year we have growing pains while we sit here and watch Tennessee, which has had Tannehill, what, my entire career? And each year we're restarting and we have to turn the page. So that sucks a little bit too, that most teams we play have an established guy. So that doesn't matter. We have to figure it out, and we will figure it out. And I think we're overlooking that. They have had a new starting quarterback, what, five straight years now with Frank Reich? That matters. That, that has an impact on how long it takes a team to get together. We talk every year about these teams that have established players, established veterans, and say they've been here, they've done that, they'll figure it out, right? And they've had a new quarterback every year. And that, honestly, is a slight on Jim Irsay. I know, and I, I know that you, you constantly want to get better, right? You constantly want to improve and, and find what that extra edge is that you need, right? They thought it was Phillip Rivers. They got into the playoffs, and they lost to Buffalo, and they retired. They thought it might be Carson Wentz. He had a really good year until the last couple of weeks where he fell apart. They didn't make the playoffs. Jim Irsay said, no, we need to get Matt Ryan. And now they're struggling out of the gate. I think it's just taking time. That's the thing, though, is that Matt Ryan was supposed to be the veteran's veteran where you didn't need that, where he could get placed in and fit a scheme where – He's, he's not going to be rolling out and doing weird bootlegs and things, but he can put the ball right where it needs to be. Can you do me a favor right now? Can you look up Matt Ryan's stats? Because I think it's five touchdowns and five interceptions, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's his total right now is five touchdowns to five interceptions. Because I, what I would love to do right now, and I, didn't, I wanted to do this, but I didn't want to have egg on my face, but we've done that many times before, so why not do it right now? <laughs> Uh, so right now, Matt Ryan has five touchdowns and five interceptions. His completion percentage is at 66. Uh, okay, so that's respectable for sure. And he has 1,125 yards. Okay, so I think... Sacked 15 times. Which is terrible. That's pretty crazy. That is so bad. That's got to that's gotta rival Carson Wentz's totals right now. He's got to be in the top five, right? If not the top three of sacked quarterbacks. That's rough. Matty wheels, man. You got to get those wheels. You got to get those tires changed. Got to move around better, man. Uh, so I'm going to make a... I'm going to make a bold prediction right now on the show. Okay, let's do it. Uh, We can make it a bet, too, if you want, if you vehemently think this is Carson Wentz has been sacked 17 times this season. Okay, so it's close. Um, We can even make this a bet if you vehemently disagree with me. Okay. Not only are the Colts still going to win the division, okay? Uh Not only will they still win the division, Matt Ryan will be in the top eight for passing touchdowns this year. Oh, yeah, that's wrong. Okay, we can make it a bet. So, so I was going to say top 10. Will you give me top 10? No. Do you top 8? Wait. I said top 8 in touchdowns. Yeah. Passing touchdowns. I would I said would you give me top 10 or is it 8 is the cutoff number? Oh, I'll give you top 10. Okay. So Matt the Colts are going to win the division and Matt Ryan is going to be in the top 10 for passing touchdowns this year. Right now he only has 5, so he's a, lot, a long way to go, but I think that it's just going to take them time to adjust. Right now they're 1 2 and 1, which is one of the best starts that Frank Wright has had to a season. They always start off slow, and they figure it out. And I'm fueled by this Naheem Hines quote where he's saying that we've had a quarterback every year. We've had to refigure it all out. They're all different. And I know that we – I'm not I'm not pushing aside your point about Matt Ryan because you're right. That was what it was supposed to be, right? It wasn't supposed to take time. Well, we were wrong, okay? 
So now it's going to take time. They're going to figure it out. This division is not great, right? I like Jacksonville. They're still young and prone to mistakes, as we've seen in their two losses, right? And while Tennessee is, is fun and all, we saw them get absolutely crushed by the Buffalo Bills, who I think is one of the best teams, if not the best team in the NFL. But they're obviously not doing that to every team, right? So I think this division is still very much up for grabs. And... I think it's going to be the Colts. And I just decided right now to go all in on Matt Ryan because right. I'm loyal. Because I'm loyal. There we have it. I don't care what it makes me look like. I don't care that my audio is spiking. I'm loyal. Wow. I do want to say we never <laughs> talked about this bet on the air, uh, but I want to revisit our you don't need, you, don't, you don't need to bring this up. Albert O. <laughs> you don't, you do you don't feel that confident about you him? You don't have to bring this up. All in on him? Can you give me like some sort of cash out for this bet? <laughs> like what do I have to do right now instead of what, what I had to do to get rid of this bet? <laughs> the, the thing is, we I don't even think we ever made it. We uh, did not establish what it was, but we made a bet. <laughs> yeah. In the off season, Adam thought – well, I thought we, I think we all thought it was going to be an exciting Denver offense, uh, but Adam said Albert O is going to have, what was it? I think it was seven hundred yards and seven total, oh, seven plus touchdowns. It was the touchdowns that really got you to be like, no, that's not going to happen. But I don't even know if Jerry Judy is going to have those numbers. I said, the bet was he would not top seven hundred yards and six touchdowns. Wow. Could you, God, could you were you so nice me, to me. Could you tell me right now what you think Albert O's <laughs> okay. this year? Albert O's stats have to be I know he had a couple catches in the first week, and then Andrew or whatever back had like twenty. <laughs> um I will say Albert O's stats right now are six catches for seventy five yards, no touchdowns. Ooh, close. Six catches. Yes. Oh right. hey, I got it. Forty five. Oh my god. Zero touchdowns. Hate my life. I It's fine, it's fine. It's fine. Can I'll give you bonus points if you know how many targets he has. Five. <laughs> well, he's doing great. Is it seven? It is ten. Ten? Okay, so hey. Ten targets. Four more targets. Yeah, so um, anyways. Terrible. So that's how we I, – I feel confident in my Matty Ice bet because of that. So It's fine. I believe in Matty so Ice. So we need to real quick establish what we're betting for. Okay, yeah. So our standard bet is the eggs, and you've never had it done to you yet, which sucks. Do you do you want to set that as one of them for one of these bets? Yeah, let's just do it one of them. How much do you care about egging me again? Because we could – it could just be the one that we know you're going to win. <laughs> uh, what if Albert O starts lighting it up? It's never going to happen, 200 man. yards on Thursday. I will – I was going to say – He's going to pull the TJ Hawkins. Do we consider the slang term for poop to be a bad swear word that we can't put on our show? Crap? No, that's no, – that's What is the slang word for poop? What are you talking Scat? That's a swear word. That's not a slang. Oh, okay, well, regardless, I was going to say it. I was going to say, I will poop my, how about this? I will poop myself if he has 200 yards. <laughs> okay, uh, we will do the egg bet for okay. the Alberto. Al- egg bet Alberto. Do we? you have something in mind? I don't. You still owe me dinner and a song, Ted. I do owe you dinner and a song and a Russell, and a Russell Wilson jersey. jersey. I don't know what type of jersey you want. I've asked you this. And you said you wanted the gray one, and then he got traded. You want a Denver Broncos one? Because he's not playing that well for Denver. <laughs> we could talk about it another time. Uh, think about it. We'll think about it. All right. It. We agreed to the bet. It's Game fine. two of Pals Picks. The Philadelphia Eagles travel out to take on the Arizona Cardinals. 
Yeah, I don't like this game at all, and oh. it's tough, but I'm going to go Philly here. You don't here. like it in the terms of picking it, or you don't think it'll be fun? I don't think it's going to be fun. Oh, I, think Philly's gonna, I think Philly's just going to win. I think Philly's going to win by multiple touchdowns, and I just I – I think Kyler Murray is good. I think that that should not be debated. I think he's a good quarterback. I'm not sure that he's great. Who? Kyler Murray. I heard Kyle Murray. Might as well be Kyle Murray. <laughs> um, no, I, I I know that Kyler Murray is a is a good quarterback. He may even be a very good quarterback. I'm not convinced he's a great quarterback yet, and I don't know if that's by virtue of his coach. Are you not? just saying that because LaShawn McCoy came out and said that? Oh, no. Did he say that? I did yeah, not see he that. Was just, he said He that. said the same thing? <laughs> he said that Kyler Murray is a high school football player. Yikes. That's mean. I mean, like, I get, I get what he's saying, just though. Because the he's whole, short? No, the whole, like, scramble around and, like, backyard football thing. That's a good point. I All I know... And my rebuttal to that would be I saw him make a throw from directly inside the pocket straight down the line to the back of the end zone to force overtime against the Raiders two weeks ago. So I know he can do certain things that other players can that we think he can't. And I know that he can do things that other players I know can't that he can, like the two-point conversion in that same game, right? So I think he's a very good quarterback. I don't know if he's great yet. I would like to see him with a different head coach at this point because I just don't know if the matchup's right. I don't think this is a very good team right now. I think that, you know, what are they? What, they're Oh, they're 2-2 two and two now because they beat the um, Panthers because the Panthers are apparently not a very good team either. That was almost, almost my recall this week. Might be next week. Regardless, I think the Philly is going to win this easily and be 5-0. and oh. All right. There we go. You have it. The Eagles going out to the desert and... Winning there. How about the Sunday night football matchup? The Cincinnati Bengals versus the Baltimore Ravens. Well, this should be a fun game, but winner, I also... Winner of this game very well could be sole possession of, of the North. Yeah, I mean, I think it will. I don't want to jinx the Bills, but I feel pretty confident in the Bills against the Steelers. And, I mean, wow, I totally just went up on the fourth team in that division right now. The Browns uh, have a interesting matchup as themselves but i'm gonna go with the ravens here i think that they're i know that their defense isn't that great but they are good at turnovers and sacks and i think that burrow in this offense is prone to giving up turnovers and sacks so i think that will play a prevalent role in this matchup and then i think lamar you know Outside of that last interception which i do think was a bad interception and it's totally on the quarterback against buffalo the rest of his game was pretty darn good. I mean, I wish we had recorded my, our reactions to that one play on third and 18 in the first half. <laughs> it was just stupid. Just a stupid play. And there were multiple runs in the fourth quarter, especially on that final drive that led them to the goal line that Lamar was just being outrageous, right? Um, so I just expect him to continue to be awesome in this game, and I expect the uh, Ravens to come out on top. All right, there we have it. So you have the Colts winning on Thursday, the Eagles winning on Sunday afternoon. Can't really say morning because there is another London morning game going on. And the Ravens winning on Sunday night. Now over to your pals picks. Like you said, we're both 5-7, and seven, so let's get some separation here. I just mentioned the Browns. They're at home hosting the Los Angeles Chargers. This very well could be a trap game um, with... People always say, and I have come on the show for five years about the whole cross-country travel thing and how that makes a difference. And I say that's, I say, fooey, 
say they're professional football players, they need to do this, it's their job. So I could see this being a trap game. Um, the health of Miles Garrett, I think, is very important. He did show up to the facility, the organizations, later in the week last week after his car accident. Uh, he didn't practice. I haven't seen any news about him this week. Hopefully uh, he can be out there because um, he's great. He's obviously one of the best defensive linemen in the league, in my opinion. Um, but I think it'll that'll that'll make a difference, especially with the offensive line. What was you're talking about with the Chargers? But that's the team that I said was going to win the division uh, five weeks ago, and they've hit some stumbling blocks, hardcore. They've had some injury bugs and whatnot. But I just think when push comes to shove, this is a better team than than the Browns, even with their their injuries. And I think you know they brought in a Khalil Mack for a reason. I think they can put some pressure on Jacoby without Joey Bosa and I think if Miles Garrett doesn't play they're going to have a harder time putting pressure on on Justin Herbert. Yeah, that was one of those things that I thought was evident in the Falcons game for the most part, especially early on how many times Jacoby Brissett had so much time to throw back in that pocket. So, I don't think that'll happen this game. I think I agree with that assessment for almost almost exactly Heading into the second <laughs> Pals Picks game. I paused because I thought you were talking. Uh, the second Pals Picks game, the Lions traveling to the Patriots. I believe Bailey Zappi is slated to start this game as well. So two one and three teams that have shown some fight, a lot of fight, actually, and pretty much all of their games going to battle it out to see who can improve to two and three. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about who's going to be starting under quarterback. This is... I think the riskiest pick I'm making here, but I'm actually going with the Patriots in this one. I think it's fascinating of the, I will say, dominance that we've seen from the Lions offense thus far. You were saying that the average opponent scores, what, 0.3 points more, which is hilarious. Yeah, 0.3, of course. It's terrible. (laughs) Unfortunately, the health of the Lions is going to be important here, and I I haven't done research into that. So, obviously, they were missing some really important key studs against the Seahawks. But I think the reason I'm leaning towards the Patriots here is because the secondary is is where was hurting. And I think... Seattle was able to take advantage of that enough. Um, But that's obviously not New England's bread and butter right now. We are going to see them run so hard and so much that I don't know if it matters who's going to be in the secondary, if they have their returning starters or if it's still the backups because I think they're just going to run the ball and have – schemes to try to exploit that and Rashad Penny had a good game rushing against the Lions too he so he really did he really did I, I'm rooting for Rashad Penny personally um but I just think that Bill Belichick's going to bring a different level of the physicality to the defense to take on Goff and the Lions offense that they haven't necessarily seen quite yet I think they're going to get there I, I can see this being they get smacked around a little bit more where for, for the most part, Detroit's moved the ball very, very well. And I this is a weird word to say, but with ease. And I don't know if I see that against this team up in New England. And so I'm going to say this is going to be an out-coaching situation. Okay. So I'm yeah. Going, going totally with, understand it. Going awesome. With New England. That is the one where I could see me looking extremely silly. So, at, at first, I wanted to be like, yeah, Detroit with their great <laughs> offense. They're going to no, roll over. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, mm, that's the thing I would expect in Bill Belichick. is like, ha-ha. Right. right. 
It's interesting that you don't think you're going to look silly when you pick the Bucks over the Falcons, which is our next game. The Bucks hosting the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, if this game was in Atlanta, I would pick Atlanta, but I'm not. I am going to pick the Bucks because of the thing we've been talking about so long, and it's their defense. I think their defense will force turnovers. And Mike Evans looked like vintage Mike Evans oh, he, last week. When, when Brady was, lit it up. He really, really did. But that's the thing is I can, I just think Marcus is going to make some mistakes in this one. It's, it's probably, probably true. It's probably very true. If it was at home, I would very seriously consider taking Atlanta because I, I really like I like Atlanta a lot more this year than I have in the past. I like the fight that I've seen in a lot of different phases from them. But I can just see Devin White having a pick six here. So, I unfortunately can see it as well. Just to recap, you went the Chargers on the road against the Browns, and then you went the Patriots at home against the Lions, as well as the Bucks at home against the Falcons. Pals Picks, sponsored by State Farm. Oh, I don't know. Someday we're going to get sued because we say stuff like that. I have two cold reads. Do you have cold reads? I actually don't. Okay, I'm going to give you my two cold reads because I was supposed to give them last week. But our time was truncated last week because I had to be at the theater. But that is neither here nor there. Let's do some cold reads. Let's do it. Sponsored by a warm blanket on a fall day. Yeah. That sounds yeah. good. Yeah. Okay. So I have this tweet from a Bill Simmons. Uh, I like listen to his podcast a lot. But he had this tweet a couple weeks ago that I thought was fascinatingly wrong. Okay. <laughs> and I want to get your take on it. He says... Bill Simmons, it's fascinating that, A, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck are undeniably better than any other 2020 (laughs) NFL broadcast team. And, B, it took this many years and Aikman um, to get competitive about Romo for that to finally happen. And, C, ESPN finally got its Monday Night Football team right after God knows how many tries. I could not think of a take I more vehemently disagree with. Because I don't think, and I have said this, I have said this, I do not hate Aikman and Buck as much as I used to. I think they've gotten a little bit better, or I've matured more. I don't know which one is which. But I would not put them in my top three best broadcasters teams right now. And I don't know how you feel about it. I know you don't follow like the broadcast teams as much as some people. Certainly not me, but like, I would never in a million years say that, and I definitely thought I thought Tariko and Gruden were way better than Aikman and Buck. I liked Brandon Gotten a lot. I thought he was very good in the booth, so I want your opinion on this. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what opinion to share because I definitely don't follow it the way that you do, and I think that's because most of the time... I don't want to say that we're opposite. We're, we're very opposites when we're watching football because you get very excitable which would actually make me lean towards thinking that you don't listen because you're so rambunctious and excitable yourself. But I think, so I'm very stoic and I I watch. So I I obviously listen to what they say and I make comments of like, that was dumb or that was, but I oftentimes, I I do like an in one ear and out the other thing. I very rarely, because I mean, I don't need to be, told like oh that was a pass on third and eight where there was a good good curl route or something along i mean i i still if you're asking me who my favorite is i still would take nance and romo because i think nance is very smart i agree with that I, and Nance romo is Romo's i think smart, the best one but right i now. think that he's just an excitable kid which i think is very fun so i mean 
but it's fine. I just I like I thought it was really I and again I love I listen to Bill Simmons podcast every week. I think he's very smart and I love a lot of his takes. But I lo- read that and I was like, what? Aikman and Dr- whatever. All right, moving on. Second cold read. This is about the clock management issues we've had the first four weeks of the season. Nick Wright, just my favorite person in the world, had this tweet about clock management issues. It says, Peyton Manning is better at clock management than any coach in the league besides Belichick. He goes, my general clock management rankings go, one, Bill Belichick, two, Peyton Manning, three, 15,000 random millennials who grew up playing Madden, uh, uh, 15,000 to 15,022, most head coaches, 2 million, Mike McCarthy, and then 6,809,651, Nathaniel Hackett. Um, I thought it was a very funny tweet, but also apropos of the situation we have in the NFL right now, why, why do you think the state of clock management right now is so harrowing, and why are we both better than most NFL coaches at it right now? Is it because we play so much Madden? Uh, I think it's because we're sitting at home and focusing on the clock. Uh, so that that's a thing. I mean, you could say that Madden or whatever, but not really. I mean, it, it's obviously different. It's hard to do clock management at Madden because they do that dumb thing where if you hurry up, all the time runs off the clock. <laughs> and if so you don't call that time out immediately, you lose 15 random seconds. It's harder to do. So I will say... That there is, I don't know, this could be completely wrong, but I don't think it is. There are a lot more young head coaches than there are veteran head coaches right now. So This this is true, that's true. There's also, this is probably not the right word, but there's an ego that comes with that. Very rarely do we see new head coaches that are like, I'm the defensive play caller, or I'm going to call plays on... I'm gonna play the. I'm gonna be the offensive play caller as well, and I mean, it's it's a different age than it was, right? Where people see things differently and they think about things differently. Maybe they think about things faster, or they know the game in a in a different way than we used to. But that gets in the way of being a head coach, I think, in some situations. So I think the 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 water is getting muddied because of those sorts of things, and it, it's becoming apparent in maybe. I think clock management is one of the most integral, that's not the right word, but one of the most important parts of being a head coach. But we're not seeing head coaches just be head coaches right now. Um, so, I mean, like that's not to say that Andy Reid can't mismanage a clock because we've seen it and there have been times that it has and there are times that you're like, why are you making that decision? And different things go into those kind of factors and whatnot. But I mean, when you talk about his, his number one was Bill Belichick, and I think that's because Bill Belichick is a head coach where he has all these people around him, whether or not they should be doing it or we think they are the person to be doing it or they're qualified to be doing it. At least they're they're doing it. So, I mean, I'll be curious. This is kind of a joke, but I'll be curious to see if we just eventually get like a clock management person. I that's it. That was what I was leading to, and I was like, "And who is going to be the first like Madden champion that gets hired as a clock management position?" Regardless, I thought it was very interesting, and I thought it was a fun tweet. So, all right, let's do some fantasy corner. Fantasy corner. Woo! All right, not not that bad. Not that bad. It was good. We had a very good week. Yeah, we did. We had a very good week. 
Yeah, I was saying after you left uh, last week, I was talking about the team and I was saying I don't feel like we are the most complete team, but we're we got to ride the waves that happens. And I think uh, speaking from personal experiences, uh, we've seen that in our own house this week of Jenna is playing with us and she's like, my team is awful garbage. And I said, you just got to wait till you're I mean, players will have bad weeks. And, but that doesn't mean that they aren't studs and they will come to do so. And and our studs showed up. And I don't even want to say that TJ Hogginson's stud, but obviously he had a, a great game. It was a uh, my fantasy player of the week was DK Metcalf. I said if you can get him in your lineup, then feel comfortable and confident to do so because his yards per catch were up from the five and the eight that we saw the first two weeks, and his yards per catch were nearly twenty two last week so we're, we're we saw him utilized in a different way which is what i expected because of the injuries on the back end of detroit um but so we we saw that and we saw had even a couple players that put up dud games like we had curtis samuel that didn't do much of anything but we still one-handedly we knocked off the the lone undefeated which feels good and we technically slid up to if the season ended today we're in the playoffs and that's all ultimately what you always want right yeah i like our team a lot i think we should talk there's two things that i want to do for fantasy corner i want to talk what our top waiver claims should be and then i want you to give me my quarterback for this week because i suck at streaming quarterbacks and i have decided multiple times this year next year i'm going early quarterback all the freaking time because the leagues where i'm the best at is where i took josh allen and or herbert at the end of the third round or I'm in a league where I found I got Patrick Mahomes for $19 on auction. So those are the leagues where I'm doing fine at quarterback. The rest of them, I started with Trey Lance, had to bench him. Then I went to Carson Wentz after his hot start, and he's been terrible. And then I went to Marcus Moriota last week in all these leagues, and he's been terrible. So I eked out two wins in the five leagues where I started Marcus Moriota. It's amazing. And I also won in our serious IDP Dynasty League where I started Mitchell Trubisky in one of my three quarterback spots and still won. So... I, but I need help. So the first thing is top waiver claim. We have $93 in fab in this league. I want to spend $25 of that to add Tyler Algier. Wow, $25. I Because I think that, first of all, Cordero Patterson is on IR. So he, at the least, is gone for four weeks. I think we have a startable running back, certainly flexible, um, for the next four weeks at least. And then after that, I still think he'll be involved in the offense. Now, some people are also valuing Caleb Huntley a little bit more than Tyler Algier. I find very weird. Which is interesting. I think it's because of the touchdown. I think he scored the touchdown and they're all. But Algier is the more used running back. And he to me. And I also think he's going to be the pass-catching guy as well. So I want to spend a lot of money on this guy. I want to make sure we get this guy because I think we need that extra running back that we can play every week. And uh, Atlanta's committed to running the football. So that's my opinion on it. Yeah, I hear you. I think I, I thought you were going to say that you wanted Mike Boone really badly, and I lean Tyler Algier. I I, I will, was Mike Boone earlier, then you brought up that you, you questioned it, and then I since have looked at it, and I have cooled off on Mike Boone. I think he's certainly, like, pick upable, and you should put a claim in for him if you're hurting for a running back, right? Because he's going to be playable. But, yeah, Algier is my number one. I will say, I agree with you. I think Tyler Algier is my number one as well. He was a guy I really loved during rookie drafts. Um, I, I really liked him coming out of college. But I will say his next two weeks are not easy. His next two weeks are against Tampa, and then they have they have San Francisco coming to town. So they are. Yes. it's not like, oh, these and are good, so, these are but, good matchups. But, but my thing is, is that 
somebody's going to spend money on him, which means he's not going to just be dropped after two tough weeks, right? So we have to get him now. And even though he may struggle in the next two weeks, I actually think he might do better than most people think. But even even if he struggles, let's not forget that Clyde Edwards-Alaire had 19 carries for 92 yards, a rushing touchdown, and a receiving touchdown against this Tampa Bay defense last week. So I... I they were not going to fear Marcus the way that they fear I understand that, but I'm just saying that this is a unique running football team, and I think that... Algier will be fine. So, so I'm. I, I what are you willing to spend? Are you going to say like three dollars? Oh no, I would say I would spend eighteen dollars. Eighteen dollars. Okay. Okay. If you want to spend eighteen dollars, we can spend eighteen dollars. I just, barring obviously another injury where one player is obviously coming into their own, I don't know how many more players are going to be worthy of this type of pickup that could be this valuable for us, which is why I said so high, but I'm okay with 18. We will go in the – this isn't the middle. This is not the medium, but I'll say 23. 23. Okay, we're putting in a $23 claim for – Tyler Jr. Is there any other player that you're interested in putting in like a one dollar bid or a zero dollar bid in right now on waivers, or do you think we're okay? Um, I. So at that point, we'd be getting into add drops because we have our open slot because I, because we put Davis Pierce on a while ago, and then you were like, I still like just hold on for a minute. Um. So I don't know. I mean, Zamir White, are you still – do you still like him? I mean – I like that player, I but know. I think after Jacobs severe has a stranglehold on the bell cow situation now that he had the week that he had. I mean, the thing is – so I'm looking at injury plays, and I don't know what that looks like at this moment. So I can't say. I mean, like Josh Reynolds and Latavius Murray are still there, but that's completely contingent on Alvin Kamara and Amonra or DJ Clark or – many players being yeah out. i think algier is the guy and i think that we're fine at you know wide receiver right now so that's why i'm not worried about we're you know getting a getting a josh reynolds pickup type thing right now so that's where i am right now um and who am i starting at quarterback in eight leagues okay so this is i don't know who's available yeah so the situation is i'll how about i how about i do this i'll give you a couple guys that are on that are on most of the waivers and you pick one of them so Bridgewater is one that's on pretty much every waiver situation. I will tell you, I feel pretty confident in Teddy right now. Um, the other guy that's available in almost every league that I have is Jared Goff. He is available. And Geno Smith. Those are the three guys that are available. Or and The other option is I could keep Marcus. I don't want to, but, you know, Goff, Smith, and uh, – or Goff, Geno, and Teddy are all available in most of the leagues. I know you had said Teddy, I think, on Sunday when I – said this to you through tears but i don't know who to pick up because i'm terrible at picking quarterbacks um so yeah i'm i'm avoiding gino or i'm excuse me i'm avoiding marcus right now because i said i think he's going to make some mistakes against tampa and so i think that's going to hurt now maybe contradictory to what i said about the new england game i think they're going to play jared goff in a much different way that he could make mistakes but like i said this is the one i could definitely have egg on my face so i could see jared goff playing pretty well 
so and that's the thing about not having a quarterback is we're we're having to think about possibilities right because i also i do feel pretty confident in teddy bridgewater playing against the jets and that's because of mcdaniel as a coach with what they have i think they're going to have to tailor fit some offense around him maybe a little bit different than they do with tua but they're let's not pretend that tua is eons above what teddy bridgewater can be the thing about how McDaniels was or McDaniel, excuse me, excuse me, was going to help Tua was by making an offense that was friendly of having these guys come and find holes, and there have been holes, and so we know that either Jalen Waddle or Tyreek Gill can take a pass and take it for sixty and a touchdown. So there, I think, is boom potential there. Um, so I feel really good about Teddy Bridgewater this week. Um, so I mean, if we're talking about it, uh, I feel fine with either of those two um i think teddy has a higher floor goff has a higher ceiling okay all right i will pick i'll put in a higher claim for teddy in because i think that all i've needed in a lot of these matchups is a floor because the rest of my teams are great because i didn't take a quarterback early right um, so I'm going to put a higher claim in for Teddy, but I'll put a backup claim in for Goff for all of them just to see what happens. I will so. say I do think Teddy will be picked up a lot because of the scheme of offense. Right, so I might end up I might end up with Jared Goff, but I'm fine with that sure. for now. So that's what I'm going to do. All right. Love it. That was Fantasy Corner sponsored by Pain and Sorrow because Adam can't pick quarterbacks in fantasy football, and he's maybe not that good. I will say in – Eight and a half months. That's that's too soon. In nine and a half months, you're not going to take a quarterback early. You'll talk about it all summer. I... <laughs> and you're not gonna do it. Hey, one time we went on a whole two-hour drive, and I told you I was going to take Sam Bradford in the last round. And what did I do? You waited until the end to take your quarterback. And I took Sam Bradford. Which is what you – but you're going to you're gonna do that again. You're like, no. you know what? I can get no. this guy no. at the end. So here's the thing. Be better. Here's what I won't do. Here's what I won't do. <laughs> if guys like Lamar and Allen are going at the end of the first round or the second, no, I'm not taking a quarterback That's early. That's never what happened. But if I could get them at the end of the third, beginning of the fourth, like I did this year in the three leagues that I got Allen, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that regardless. I have a couple tidbits. All right? Some tidbits. Here's a list of quarterbacks with or so uh, career wins when the opponent scores 45 plus points, right? Rodgers, Brady, M- Montana, Mahomes, Marino, Favre, Elway, and Young have all combined for zero. Geno Smith won. Boom. Yeah. Uh, Kenny Pickett threw three interceptions in his first game action. Kenny Pickett three interceptions, but Pro Football Focus I know is not like the most highly touted. You know, stat company. They charted him with zero turnover-worthy plays, though. I didn't see a lot of the interceptions, but I definitely understand. Yes. Um, so I, their point is being that none of the plays were turnover-worthy. Obviously, the first one we said he kind of threw up for his guy, and it was tipped and picked. So regardless, I thought that was very interesting. Last but not least, Patrick Mahomes has 162 career touchdown passes through his first six seasons. That makes him number third. Dan Marino is first in his first six seasons. He threw 196 passes. Isn't that incredible that Marino still holds all these records? We talked about that last year. We, I know we mentioned we mentioned it because all the 
um, Herbert records that he was getting, but still, it's crazy. Second is Peyton Manning, 167. So Mahomes still has plenty of season left to go in his sixth season. He could end up passing with, with 34 more touchdown passes this season, which would give him a very high total for the year. He could pass Dan Marino. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and then last but not least, Justin Herbert now has seven straight 300-plus uh, yard games. Seven straight. Uh, the record is Rich Gaynor with eight, 2001 to 2002. So he could tie the record this week with another 300-plus passing yard day. Those are my tidbits. Bam. Look at that. Do you have a friend's fortune? My friend's fortune, actually, I was thinking about this and I forgot to check something. Um, so do you have one? Because you can go first. My friend's fortune is that in the – London game, okay. Okay. The London game will be the highest scoring game of the early window. Wow. Okay. I think that. I think that. Uh, so I don't think Daniel Jones is going to play. I think Tyrod Taylor is going to clear concussion protocol. This is just a. This isn't part of the friend's fortune, by the way, because it could be another quarterback that starts. It's fine. Um, I think that's what's going to happen, though. And I think that the offense with him in the helm, Saquon in the backfield, is going to be able to put up points. And I think that Aaron Rodgers and that this offense is starting to get their their feet beneath them, right? Aaron Jones is awesome. A.J. Dillon looked good, admittedly, even though I want Aaron Jones to get every touch in the offense. Uh, but Dubs is coming along. Christian Watson scored. Robert Tunyon's back. He scored, right? So I just think both these offenses are, 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 are looking real good. And uh, I... I think that uh, I like a lot of the early window games, one o'clock. But I just I, I think this one could have some juice, and I think that that London crowd is pretty electric. That somebody pointed it out that like, why is this crowd always so loud and into it? But they're just super hyped, and I think that that atmosphere is going to give give some juice there. Uh, and I think that will be the highest scoring game of the early windows. Okay, um, this could die by Saturday. Um, Keenan Allen is still dealing with a hamstring injury. Status is day to day. But I think when Keenan Allen gets back, Justin Herbert has missed him so much. I think Keenan Allen's going to catch 12 balls. You were deciding in your head how bold to be at that moment. I was going to say 10, but I'm going to go 12. 12 okay. balls. Okay. 12 is good. Four. At least 130 yards. And a score. As long as Mike Williams also has a touchdown, I'm fine with that. Because okay. I need Mike Williams in a lot, <laughs> regardless. Awesome. Anything else? That's it for me. Thanks for listening to Simultaneous Catch, guys. Make sure if you're part of the Run Your Pool, make sure you're keeping up to date with that. Josh was in the lead. I don't know if he is, though. I know that our, our buddy Mike Mikas was number one this week in picks, if I'm not mistaken. I checked that before the last couple games, but what? I still got this. Okay, cool. Josh is still in the lead for that. Make sure you update your picks for that. Uh, make sure you follow us, Simultaneous Catch, on Instagram, at Catch on Twitter. Um, yeah. Not by much, though. Not by much, though. I think it's going to be a photo finish, everybody. Thanks for listening to Simultaneous Catch. You have nine wins up on Adam. God bless.